the word computer, it was originally used as a term for a person who does computing. It wasn't, it wasn't a term for the actual object, the, the machine itself. So a computer was a person who did the computing because there was a lot of people power in that work back then. And because it was mostly women that were doing that, it almost became, the word computer almost became synonymous with woman. And historically, um, a lot of women were um, hired to work in computing, to work in telecommunications. When the telephone was invented, they were switchboard operators. They're always behind the scenes um, with technology. And for example, Alan Turing, who's famous for the imitation game and beginning of AI, um, his staff, when he was working on the machine that ended up cracking the code of the Enigma machine, which was a Nazi um, encoding machine, his staff was 75% women. So a lot of women are in the background doing a lot of the calculating, and I became really interested in this because they're sort of, they're invisibilized. Um, you don't hear about that. We hear about Alan Turing. We don't hear about all the women behind it that were working on that. And I've sort of been fascinated by that and looked at how that has kind of worked its way into certain technologies that we use today. Um, so this is something that I look through in my work and that I'm really interested in researching. This is Stephanie Doomer, one of the artists participating in Desert X Al-Ula 2022. For Stephanie, the world of art is not far from the world of science and technology. Her art pieces and installations often fuse the two things together. And in that way, offer questions about the world we live in. Technology, which is one way science manifests itself in our everyday lives, is not merely logical and cold. In fact, technology often reproduces our world in exaggerated ways that can make us see social, environmental, and cultural questions in a new light. In today's episode, we take you through Stephanie's work, Under the Same Sun, and see how it explores duality, reproduction, and this year's theme of Mirage. Desert X Al-Ula 2022 is a collaboration between Desert X and the Royal Commission for Al-Ula, established to advance cultural dialogue through art. This podcast is produced by Kerning Cultures Network. I visited Stephanie's installation at Desert Excel 2022 as it was being put together. It was so exciting to walk through the site and witness the art pieces as the team was constructing them. To get an understanding of the site, here's Stephanie describing it in her own words. Yeah, so we're standing in front of a bunch of sand, <laughs> a big sand dune, and there's um, an entrance that we're going to walk into in a minute. The walls are built, as you can see, with these rocks and these sort of chicken wire almost. They're called gabion cages. Wow. So this is what all the structure is made out of, and this is all local rock. So we're walking into a space that's pretty high. It's about 10 feet high. <laughs> um, 
towards a room, which also has a giant hole in the floor right now. Yeah, so I am creating a solar-powered video installation um, whereby a video projection will be used to grow plants for the duration of the installation. So there's going to be a sort of underground space that you can walk into, sort of a cave-like space, inside of which will be um, a greenhouse. Um, housing some plants that will be sprouting. And that greenhouse will be bathed in light from a video projection, um, which will be showing live screen footage uh, from a security camera above ground. So you're seeing the view of the canyon, a live stream view of the canyon of, of what's right above you when you're inside of the space. Um, and all of this will be uh, powered by solar panels which will be the roof of the structure. So there's a lot of elements that are a part of this project. And those solar panels will basically be all that you could see from outside of the installation. Um, so that even though it's a quite a large installation, it will be somewhat hidden in the landscape. And all you'll see is are these sort of solar panels on the surface of the sand that looks sort of mirage-like or sort of like a pool of water is the intention. There is, an, I feel like, an aspect of the work where this sort of simulated environment can also be seen as almost post-apocalyptic in a way of having this underground bunker reproducing the light from above to, to grow things or to create some sort of simulated space. This idea of simulation and the way in which technology interacts and influences our world is central to this installation. Here, Stephanie deconstructs this idea of light by mixing natural sunlight and artificial light from screens. Can they operate in the same way? Can they serve similar functions? I mean, I'm really interested in, I guess one aspect is new technologies and renewable energy um, and thinking about how they're being integrated and how they can function. I'm really interested in this idea of uh, reproduction, of reproducing something um, through technology, whether that's sound technology, like what we're doing right now. <laughs> we're speaking and then it's going to be reproducible and people can hear it over and over again. Um, same with video, something that can be captured and reproduced. And how that reproduction sort of has can have these really real influences. And I'm thinking more about the plants in this case where that a simple like visual reproduction can be used to sprout something or something can use it for light to grow. So it has like a real impact on something. Um, and I think that this is a through line with my other work in a very different way, but <laughs> I've sort of made that connection recently um, of how I am interested in something that might seem something we're used to seeing or our day-to-day -day thing with technology of, of seeing videos or seeing imagery or things reproduced, but how it can have a real impact in some way on something, whether that's um, a positive or a negative impact. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I did not even consider this. I do have a plant and I just didn't think of this until you mentioned this video. <laughs> so yeah, there is this sense of like, maybe, I, I don't know if the right word would be shock, but it, it jolts your system a bit thinking of, wow, you know, this is really integrated into our everyday life too. I, I just wonder, because it comes to my mind, 
how is this connected to our kind of real, not real world right now? Like this time we're all living it. How do you see this connection? I think part of the big experimentation for me is also this idea that you can grow plants with artificial light, which we do actually all the time. We do we don't think about it, but we have plants indoors growing, you know, from the ceiling lights and things like that. Um, in this instance, I'm using a video projection or video as a medium to grow plants um, because video in itself is a is a light-based medium. It is a light source. So I'm sort of trying to subvert it or alter it in a way that it, it can become almost utilitarian and be used to grow the plants as well as something to be viewed and looked at. But then also making people think about, oh, we do this all the time actually indoors. We grow plants with artificial light. But I think when you put it in this sort of environment and have it growing with the light of video, it sort of makes you think about it a little bit more, maybe, or in a different way, in a different light. <laughs> in a different light. <laughs> I wanted to know how Stephanie navigates this intersection between the world of STEM, which stands for science, technology, engineering, and maths, and the world of art. When I asked Stephanie how science has impacted her as an artist, this is what she had to say. I guess going back to a more um, personal narrative, I, I started my undergraduate studies in biophysics. I was always sort of pulled in two directions. It was a question of going through the, the arts or sciences. And when I was graduating high school, I decided to go with the sciences. So I enrolled into a biophysics program I did not last over a year. <laughs> I ended up transitioning into art. Um, but I, I've always been interested in sciences and technology. They're so, I always had this idea of, you know, the exploratory, which it is, you know, it is about invention. It's about exploring the world, looking at it in a different light. Um, but when I experienced the program in school, I think it was enlightening for me in a different way, um, maybe a more negative way, where I felt that um, the courses and the way the education was wasn't actually very exploratory. It was very pragmatic. It was very um, close-minded to a certain degree. It was all about memorizing. It wasn't about <laughs> trying things, or at least I didn't get to that phase of the education part. Um, and I also started noticing certain biases. You know, science is, is um, seen as uh, very objective and empirical. It is the truth of things. Um, but I was sort of seeing signs of the ways in which um, science and technology in both academia um, and in itself sort of had these biases and these sort of cultural things within it that um, weren't being talked about. Um, I mean, very basics too is the fact that I was only one of two women in my program. Wow. Um, and I was just about to ask you that. <laughs> yes. Even with science and women. <laughs> yes, I was yeah. one of two women. Um, and I didn't finish the program, so... <laughs> um, the science program Stephanie enrolled in looked a lot different from the outside than she experienced it on the inside. This same phenomenon and the idea of duality is actually reflected in Stephanie's installation at Desert X When you approach the work, it literally looks like a mirage 
which is this year's theme. The only thing visible are the solar panels on the ground. It's only when you go underneath them, below ground, that you see the full picture. And although Stephanie did not continue studying science, her work is informed by this undercurrent of how women's contribution in STEM is often invisible, not acknowledged or pushed underground. In our conversation, I learned about this critical lens of looking at gender in STEM or otherwise that started from a very young age for Stephanie. Being born in Canada and growing up in a rural area surrounded by a lot of farmland, she shared how this influenced her current thinking. I think with regards to questioning, specifically when it comes to gender, since I was a, a child, I've always been on that track or like always questioned things. I do remember when I was a, I was a kid, one, for some reason, I would really get upset when someone called me cute. Um, and it was like a very strange thing. <laughs> um, but I did notice uh, from a young age that there were certain words or certain connotations that um, an adult would say to a female child versus a male child, for example. Or, you know, if I was wearing a dress, I would get more comments of, of oh, how pretty you are, how cute you are. And then I'd throw a temper tantrum. Um, so <laughs> I have I always... could relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I definitely have always been sensitive in that way or, or um, sort of always had that attention to why there's some sort of division happening within language or within academics or things like that of always noticing the differences um, of how you're approached or how you're considered um, and what are the expectations of you, I guess. That's incredible. And I always love discovering how our childhood impacts our adulthood. And there's always a connection. <laughs> I would wonder, like, because sometimes it feels like a full story of you developing according to your own personal narrative, right? Like in your work and what you've experienced. But how would you see this uh, in connection to your childhood? You know, um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I decided to go back home and I spent a lot of that time on my grandmother's property. And that was super impactful for me for some reason. Um, just, you know, bringing me back to my childhood, but also in thinking about the future. Also, um, I started beginning to think about, to talk about gender again, about um, land ownership Wow. Um, mm -hmm. of like who will own the land next, um, of whether I could own the land next and about women owning land and how that is, um, there's obviously a lot less women that own land than men at this point. Of course, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think that was just super impactful for me, um, in my research and my thinking, um, and also in developing this project actually in thinking about, um, reproduction uh, of plants and 
I mean, I think about this too. I, I always, in my practice, it seems super abstract and I think I have trouble explaining it to people, but I'm very interested in how different kinds of reproduction interact. So it's sort of like, if you think about biological reproduction, um, of like generations of family, also of, you know, this plant life of how all these things can co-mingle and, and work together. Also like social reproduction and impressions that happen in society, uh, visual reproduction, how that can intertwine with these other kinds of reproduction. Um, and so this is something that I try and find the links between these kinds of reproduction, I think. And that was, um, something I was deeply thinking about when I was there, um, gardening. <laughs> makes me wonder when you talk about reproduction especially do you mean the reproduction of something that would be in the beginning used in a specific way then it will have a different use and then that it will be reproduced so um, you can have an example maybe the biological reproduction is it in terms of the different generations and their differences and that how, for example, in the first generation, you would see an aspect that would almost be um, reproduced in a, in a sense that it's repeated as a pattern or something that is there, but not exactly originally yours, but somehow it's in the third, fourth, fifth generation, perhaps. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's a good example. I think that If we're talking about generations of family, for example, also how things in society are reproduced or how things like ideas of what role women play in society, things like that, that are reproduced over time um, in the same time as generations. Um, these kind of connections in many different ways, I think, really fascinate me. Um, how something, how repetition with slight changes or, or things like that are sort of intertwined. This question around land ownership and the role of women in that process is something that came up in Stephanie's time back home at her grandmother's property. But it also came back serendipitously in the Lula Desert. Stephanie shared this with me when we talked. I'm so fascinated with this area. I think before even arriving, I started reading about the um, history of this area and specifically the Nabataean um, uh, writings on the walls and how a lot of them are contracts um, and actually show proof of like women owning land and uh, owning farmland and it's a document actually of so-and-so owned this land and passed it on to so-and-so for this much money and there's actual proof like written in the rocks here of women owning land, women having money, um, which was so fascinating to me before I even arrived. Um, and then I didn't even know yeah. that. <laughs> It's incredible. Right. Um, and so that already fascin fascinated me about the history of this, this area. Um, and then just being here. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unreal. It's, it's just the scale of everything is so hard to comprehend and to explain to people as well when you're in the canyons it's very like almost humbling if i could say that like it's it is you just feel so humbled i feel like so uh, maybe as a finale and a kind of a closing end what are your hopes for anyone that sees this to experience um i hope that they can consider 
certain media and technology in a different way. I think that we're so um, used to having technology around us and it becomes a part of our lives so easily um, and we just sort of use it and consume it but maybe don't. You, I feel like in a lot of my work I try to sort of show something about it or tweak something just a little bit in the way that we're used to using it to make you maybe think about it a little bit. I think that for me, um, I always envisioned my work in a non-conventional space. I kind of came through it as wanting to be outside of the museum or outside of the institution, of, uh, which is exactly what Desert X is. Um, but I, I hope that that would be also be inspiring to someone else to be able to see, like, you can make art anywhere, you know? Um, and you can figure out a way to do it, and you're gonna stumble along the way probably, <laughs> um, but you can figure out these sort of exploratory new ways to make work, which I think is, is something that really inspires me as well. Thank you to Stephanie for joining me in this beautiful conversation. Desert X Alola 2022 is a collaboration between Desert X and the Royal Commission for Alola established to advance new cultural dialogue through art. Desert X Al-Ula is a recurring site-responsive international art exhibition taking place in the ancient landscapes of Al-Ula. It places newly commissioned works by Saudi and international artists in dialogue with the extraordinary nature and cultural legacy of Al-Ula. Learn more at livingmuseum.com forward slash arts that's livingmuseum.com forward slash arts thank you for listening